get you to turn over in your bulletin, and you'll find our scripture reading this morning, our scripture passage from the book of Leviticus. The reading starts on page 3, and it goes over into page 4. If you've been with us the last few times, we've celebrated communion, and we've taken five different occasions to look at the Old Testament sacrifices, the five different kinds of sacrifices in the Old Covenant, and we looked at them when we celebrated communion, not because we are repeating sacrifices here, but because God teaches us in the New Testament that all those Old Covenant sacrifices and systems point forward to what Jesus does, finally, for all, completed. And so we look at the old because it helps us understand the new. We, we look at what, what points forward so we can see what God has done uh, and that we celebrate here this morning. So we're going to take another look at the old uh, covenant and zoom in on a particular occasion of sacrifice, really the most important occasion uh, in, the, in the old covenant, and that's the Day of Atonement. And we heard it from Hebrews, how all the details there in what, what we're about to read points forward to Jesus. So see if you can catch it as we read. It's a little bit longer, but look for how this might see, show you Jesus as Jesus perfects this. And then, we'll, and then we'll talk about it together. So it's Leviticus 16, uh, the first 22 verses. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two, uh, the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place, with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the linen, holy linen coat, and shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are holy garments. Uh, he shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And the Lord shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. Uh, but the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, and it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense, beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put incense on the fire before the Lord uh, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it 
with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side, and on the front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood uh, with his finger seven times. Then he shall take he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, <clears throat> that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he has, has did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat in front of the mercy seat, and in front of the mercy seat. Then he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until the time, until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of the Lord. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and shall put it on the horns of the altar all around and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of, the man, of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Let's uh, go ahead and pray together. Lord, we do ask for, uh, for your grace and the power of your spirit to be at work, that we might understand your word in order to see the glory of what Jesus has accomplished for us. We pray that you would give us that insight and understanding and in hearts to rejoice and trust in his finished work. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How is it that you could come into the presence of God? Come into the presence of God, maybe you think this morning as, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, well, even here in worship, God being present with us, how do we come into his presence? But well, especially as we, as we think about coming to the Lord's table, Christ, the, the host, and his spirit with us, how could you come before God? into his presence. I mean, you, after all you've done, after all you haven't done, same time, how could I come into the presence of the Lord? After all I've done, after all I haven't done, how could you, how could I come into God's presence? Could we even come with confidence? Is that a possible thing? This morning? Um, how about coming to God later on this week in prayer? We, we need something uh, answered, the big thing in our lives. Uh, could we confidently come before God? Or even uh, bigger still, thinking of eternity and, and God's holy presence uh, filling heaven. How could we come and enter there? 
is it even possible for us to be confident in thinking and, and confident in coming? Us? Well, that is what Leviticus is really all about. It's all about a holy God, uh, and it's all about what it means to be in his presence and how that could ever work. And in Hebrews, uh, the passage we read this morning, essentially, is looking back at this Leviticus passage and preaching a sermon on it and saying, yeah, it's all about Jesus. In pictures and shadows, Jesus fulfills it all. And so it's perfect to think about as we come before the Lord's table this morning, because it gets us ready. It gives us pictures that show us what Jesus has done and how we can come even confidently as sinners. So uh, the big takeaways are going to be two. Uh, You see them listed there in your outline. Uh, Draw near because Christ has made the way safe. Hold fast because Christ has carried our sins away. Let's see if we can see those and, and flesh them out together. Draw near because Christ has made the way safe. Going into the presence of God is not a safe thing. Did you notice how, how, how the passage here in Leviticus opens with this reminder that God has just struck down two individuals who came into his presence? Right? Moses gets this reminder that the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, uh, they have just been struck down. They've just been killed because they came into the presence of God wrongly. Uh, not not the correct way. Uh, They came into the presence of this holy God, and they were struck down. Uh, And and God's about to say, uh, okay, Aaron, you're about to go in, but make sure you aren't struck down as well. This is the God we're talking about. Uh, You, me, can we come into the presence of this God? And it's not just in Old Testament. Well, God was was particularly picky in the Old Testament. But sure enough, you get to the New Testament, and it's the same God, the same Holy One. In fact, right after the church is founded, uh, one of the first first incidents that fills the church with fear is God strikes down two other individuals. So in other words, this God always has been and still continues to be holy, and we're continuing to be sinners, right? That's, that's really what, what the situation there in Leviticus is all about. There is, there is God's special presence dwelling with his people, right? They've been delivered out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. They're God's people. They're in the wilderness, and God is dwelling among them in this, in this special tent, the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, Right, his presence is there in, uh, in this in a special, powerful way in that inner room, the the holy place, or sometimes we talk about it as the holy of holies. And okay, well, God is present. That's great, but hold it, we're not holy. God's people dwelling all around. And how about how about an Aaron actually going in? Well, how's that going to happen? And Aaron not be killed? Well, God describes. Here's how it's going to work. First. Uh, Aaron has to has to wash his whole body. That's verse four, right? So you get the picture cleansing, and then he's got to put on special garments, uh, linen garments. We're told these are not the fancy jeweled garments that the high priest normally wears. This is very simple. Probably the idea is there. He comes very humbly uh, into God's presence. Then, as he walks in, 
he's to, he's to immediately burn incense uh, on that, that altar that is right there before, uh, right there in that most holy place, that inner room. Right, God's special presence is said to said to dwell there. We just it's described the the mercy seat or the sometimes translated atonement cover because inside that inner room in the holy of holies is the ark of the covenant, which is just a, a gold box or a wooden box covered in gold, but it's set apart. It's holy. Uh, we were told in Hebrews some of the things it contains. Uh, right, Aaron's staff and specifically the tablets of the covenant. Right, the, the law of God, that's in there. And on top of it is a, a lid to the box. Uh, that, that mercy seat. Uh, a seat because, well, on top of it, there are these gold uh, cherubim. And God says, you see it there in, our, in the beginning of our passage, uh, that, that uh, there is, is where God's presence will dwell above the mercy seat. The picture of his, of his throne room. Here is God uh, dwelling with his people in his royal throne room right there. So here's Aaron coming in. Holy God, he's not holy. How's this going to work? Well, okay, he's cleansed outwardly. He comes in. First thing he does is burn incense. Uh, probably the idea is there. It's going to produce a cloud of smoke to, to, to veil the presence of God. Right? God's that holy uh, that, that, even, that a full glimpse of even this, this earthly presence would, would, would consume Aaron. So that the smoke obscures uh, the glory presence of God. But then Leviticus really focuses in on, on blood, right? We've seen this in the sacrifices. It's blood that cleanses from defilement. The first thing Aaron's supposed to do is, is offer a sacrifice for himself, right? Because he's a sinner. So he's got to offer sacrifice for himself, and he does that. Uh, and then he brings... He brings an animal for the people. Now we're told these two goats are presented, they cast lots, one gets killed, and one's going to stay alive. So the one that gets killed, uh, the, that blood is taken into this holy of holies, into that, that inner room where, the, where the, the Ark of the Covenant is. And in both cases where the blood is taken in, it's, we're told again and again, the blood goes on the mercy seat. And can you, can you see the picture there? Uh, where God's royal throne. God's royal throne, where we're right in there in the midst of it, is the, the law of the covenant. Right? It's God's law. God's law that Aaron and everybody else have broken. And that's, that's defiled them. Uh, and, 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 and has them in trouble. Right? Would be like the other sons of Aaron struck down. But this time... Uh, this time, uh, that, that law, what gets placed on top of uh, the ark, on top of the law, what gets placed but, but blood, innocent blood, right? The, the innocent sacrifice, uh, that one is killed, right? It should be Aaron, it should be the people, they're the guilty ones, they should be struck down, but instead it's this innocent one that dies, and that blood covers, it goes on the atonement cover, it goes on the, the mercy seat to to cover over. Uh, and so now, Aaron can be in the presence of God, and he's not consumed. Because right? blood has covered over. Can you, can, you see, can you see Jesus here? Well, the author of Hebrews does, uh, in part by way of contrast. So the author of Hebrews says, uh, well, Jesus does this, but he does it all in fulfillment. Uh, because it's, it, it's here, 
with Leviticus, it's just a, an earthly tent, uh, not which is just a copy of the heavenly throne room. Uh, and it's also Aaron. Clearly, you need a better priest than him because he's a sinner himself. He needs to offer sacrifice for himself. Uh, and then also, uh, there's the blood that's offered. It's the blood of bulls and goats. That really can't be a substitute for sinful men and women. Uh, so he says, Jesus. That's ultimately what it's pointing to. There's the solution to our problem. Jesus, spotless priest. Uh, he goes into the heavenly tabernacle, the real thing, the real uh, heavenly presence of God, and he offers his own blood. Right? Here's the, here's the good news for us, because we are the ones who have broken God's law. We're the ones that if we entered on our own, wow, we would be struck down. But, but what, what does Christ do? He sacrifices his own blood. Right? He, he comes as our substitute. He bears our guilt. We deserve to be struck down. He's struck down in our place there at the cross. And, and his blood, as it were, taken before the Lord so that it covers over all our sin. So if you're trusting in Jesus, you're, you're forgiven, cleansed completely, totally. Not because you're, you're good, not because you're a little better than somebody else, but because Jesus has offered his blood. And it's, it's covered in your place, and you're, and you're cleansed, right? And the, the application there is, you can draw near with confidence. That's what Hebrews says. Uh, here's chapter 10. After laying all that out, it's, it gives the application. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and it goes on, let us draw near with a true heart in Full assurance of faith, our hearts spring or our hearts <clears throat> sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Right? Get the idea? Uh, we have confidence to enter. Let us draw near in full assurance of faith. Yeah, we can come boldly before God because Christ has offered Himself and it's finished. Nothing more needs to be done for you, for me. Uh, no matter how bad your sin is and how bad my sin is, and the blood of Jesus has been offered. And, and that's exactly what we're, what we're celebrating here. Uh, the fact that we can come before God, and there's, there doesn't have to be this hesitation or, or worry that we might be struck down. Because what are we clinging to, what these elements represent? Jesus given for us. Uh, his, his blood poured out for us. That's what, that's what covers our life. Well, that's what has been offered uh, before. So we can, we can come confidently to God. Confidently to God here at the, the Lord's Supper. Confidently to God in prayer this week. Uh, confidently even as we face, face eternity and heaven itself. Right? If you're trusting in Jesus, you can draw near in confidence. In fact, God says you have to, you should get excited and draw near. Right? Only with Jesus. Right? If you don't know Jesus, there is no confidence. There should be this... Uh, this holy fear. But you have Christ, you're clinging to him, drawn near with full assurance of faith, full confidence, because Christ has made the way safe. One more point from, from the Day of Atonement. Uh, hold fast, because Christ has carried our sins away. Uh, and so here's another interesting feature of what happens on this, this holiday, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, uh, in the Old Covenant. 
So remember, they're, they're described two goats that are brought before the Lord. And they cast lots. One is to be killed. That's the, the blood that we were talking about that goes inside the tent. But this other goat uh, is allowed to live. And he, here's what's supposed to happen. Uh, Aaron and his sons, they're the priests, so they're representing all the people of God. Uh, they, they lay their hands on this live goat, uh, sometimes called the scapegoat. That's that, that word that I kept saying, Azazel. In some translations, it's, it's translated as scapegoat or the goat that escapes. Kind of a complicated uh, uh, debate on what exactly that means, but scapegoat is a good, a good way of picturing the idea. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick with that for now. So they take this goat, this live goat, the scapegoat, and they put their hands upon it, the priests, representing the whole people. They confess the sins of the people with their hands upon the goat. The, the, the picture there is, is identification, right? This goat representing the people. Now, they're the guilty ones. This is spotless. But yet confessing the sins upon the people, it's as if the goat now bears the iniquity, bears the sin of the people. And this goat uh, is, is then led outside the camp. Uh, it's, it's led out into the wilderness, cast outside the camp, uh, which, is, which is an old covenant. Being cast outside the camp is like, that's what you do if you were condemned. You were kicked out of God's presence. You are kicked out of God's people, cast outside the camp. And that's where this goat goes. Bearing the sins uh, of the people, it's cast out. It goes out into the wilderness. Again, uh, that's just an Old Testament picture. That's what Jesus does, fully and finally. Uh, he is the one who bears our sins and then carries them away. Right? Remember how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Bore our sins, right? Like that, like that scapegoat wearing, as it were, spiritually, our, the guilt of our iniquity. Right? He's the innocent one. He's the spotless one. And he can truly represent us in a way that a goat never could because he's fully man, just like us. And he bears all the sins of his people uh, in our place on, on the tree. And he dies. Hebrews 13 actually makes this point, uh, that Jesus dies outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Or, uh, to use the language Hebrews use, he dies outside the camp. Uh, in other words, going back to this scapegoat idea. Here is Jesus, all right, he dies as the scapegoat. Uh, he, he's cast out, outside the camp, outside the presence of God. Right, that, that eternal judgment that we deserve being eternally cast from the presence of God. That's what we deserve for our sin. But Jesus is the one who's cast out. Uh, Jesus is the one uh, who, is, who, is, who bears our sins uh, and is cast out in our place. And so the result for us is, well, uh, to use this language of Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Our sins completely removed from us. How did that happen? Jesus carried them away. They went upon him, and he was cast out, and now it's dealt with, and it's done. We don't bear them anymore before the Lord. All right? This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus, that, that ultimate scapegoat, 
And so the, the real question is, are, are we clinging to Jesus? There, there's our hope. And if we are, right, as it were, laying our hands on the head of Jesus, there's our trust. Sins are carried away. They're gone. They're not counted against us as far as the east is from the west. And Hebrews, again, tells us what to do with this good news. The application from Hebrews 10 is this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to Christ, ultimately. Hold fast to Christ. In many ways, uh, that's, that's what, we, what we live out in with the Lord's Supper. Holding fast to Christ. Right? We have these, uh, these elements that represent Jesus. And uh, right, they're pictures of, of him right, shedding his blood for our sin. Him, his body carrying our sins away. And, and we get to uh, take these elements and we, we grab onto them. Even taking them in. Right? The picture is holding fast to Christ. Uh, that's what we'll practice here. But it's really to be the start of what your entire week is to be about. Holding fast to Christ. Now, because of what he's done, we, we cling to him. Right? Think of it this way. You're going to be tempted this week uh, to hold fast to a lot of other things that will ultimately disappoint you. Uh, your own heart, the world around you, the temptation will be to hold on to, grab on to uh, other things, even good things, but grabbing on to them and holding fast as if, this could bring me life, and, and this would bring me joy, and this would make me safe, and this would make everything okay. And the things we're tempted to grab onto in this earthly life, they will disappoint. Just give them enough time. And so the, the, the good news of, of the Lord's table is, here's something that not only won't disappoint, it does make you safe, it does bring eternal joy and life, and the call to us is, hold fast to Christ. Hold fast to Christ here this morning and then throughout the week. It's the good news that what the Old Testament gave to us in just pictures, Christ has done. And it's finished. Uh, and, and we get to remind ourselves, oh, this is exactly what we need. Uh, this is what we need preached to us. All right, the good news preached in the pictures of the Old Testament, and here the good news preached in New Covenant symbols. It's we're sinners and we need Jesus to make the way safe, to carry our sins away. And because he's done that, we cling to him. What can we do? Draw near with confidence. And we can hold fast to Jesus, the source of life. Well, let's pray again. Father, we thank you that there is good news in, in the Lord Jesus, in, in what you've done. Lord, that meets the depths of our need, and we pray that we would be filled with faith and joy and confidence, uh, drawing near and holding fast, uh, all because of what you've done. And we pray in Jesus' name.